Hello and welcome to another episode of the Agile Planet. Today, our guest is Kumar Dattatrayan, who is located in Alexandria, Virginia, in United States. Kumar is a very senior Agile coach, executive coach, leadership coach, and he has recently acquired one of the coveted certifications from ICF. International Coaching Federation. The certificate is called ACC. With all that background, I'm sure Kumar has lot many understandings, lot many insights, and lot many experiences to share with all of us. So I would welcome Kumar and request him to introduce himself. Kumar, welcome to the Agile Planet, and please let us know a little bit more. About yourself, your background, your passion, uh, than what I explained. Sure. Hi, Mandar. It was great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, actually, my career in coaching started in, in agile and coaching. Both, I should say, started before I knew there was something called agile, or something called coaching. Uh, so, in my in a prior life, I used to run restaurants. And um, I was one of the youngest general managers in, in various chain restaurants in the U.S. in my 20s. And as a restaurant manager, um, I embraced a, a coaching style of leadership. Uh, again, I was a young manager. I had a management team of, of folks that had much senior to me in age. You know, they were 10, 20 years, 30 years older than, than I was. And so I I didn't know that I was doing what I was doing, but I was, I was employing a more of a coaching style of leadership where I um, didn't try to be directive because that wouldn't have worked for them anyway. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I attempted to be more of a, a coaching, uh, a coach to them to help them get to their fullest potential. And I also, I, I feel like the restaurant business gave me an introduction to agile, even though we, you know, we weren't trained as agilists or anything. Um, and the reason I say that is because restaurants are, are very agile and nimble uh, business, right? You think about the average product uh, life cycle in a restaurant, and the life cycle in a rest restaurant is measured in minutes, not months or years. Um, uh, the last time you went to a restaurant, um, how long did it take for you to get your meal? <laughs> Maybe 10 minutes. 10 minutes, right, 10 yeah. minutes. 10 minutes was the cycle where you placed an order, you know, to the waiter or the counter, wherever it was. And, and that started a process where, uh, where, well, it actually didn't start the process. It started, the process started much before that where someone had to order the food and ensure that the, the, the people were trained to cook it, that people were trained to package it and deliver it to you. But the actual uh, act of, of creating that product was 10 minutes, yeah. right? And, and so as a restaurant manager, you have to really uh, think about the full life cycle of a product, you know, from ordering and hiring and training and all that. And, and of course, delivering, the delivery part occurs in 10 minutes. And so mm. it's, it's kind of a finely oiled machine that you have to run. And as a manager, we, we did stand-ups twice a day, once before lunch and once before dinner. Uh, we had planning sessions weekly where we planned our menu, we planned the entertainment because I ran a full-service restaurant. 
Um, yeah. And when I finally left restaurants and got into IT and heard about this thing called Agile and started to experiment with it, all of the, those, those ceremonies were very familiar to me and called different things, but they were familiar because <laughs> we did them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is extremely interesting uh, uh, journey that uh, you have gone through. And until now, whoever I have met and talked to uh, as an agile expert, you are perhaps the most unique person who has come from such a different background that um, restaurant management. And now you are, uh, when you are explaining, I'm thinking, oh my God, there is no two weeks uh, sprint and there is result is available instantaneously because if the food is not good, the, the customer can get mad at you and all those kind of things. So bringing that experience into IT is something certainly, certainly very unique. So what I wanted to know is, um, as you were, uh, um, you were mentioning that you are one of the young uh, managers in the restaurant industry and many people um, working for you were much more senior than that. And your, and your leadership style was completely different. How, how they were reacting to it? Perhaps whenever they had worked before any other manager and now they are working under you, they must have seen a drastic sea difference as we call it. So do you remember their reaction? Do you remember how they reacted in such a war? Yeah, we, we had great teams. Every restaurant that I ran, uh, and, and I, I was quite successful as a restaurant manager. I, I was um, uh, at 25, um, no, I was 27 when I ran a training unit uh, of a, a restaurant chain. And so we were responsible for training new managers coming through the system. Um, and I was, there was only one other training unit in the country. This is a, a large chain there. They've gone bankrupt since I, since I left the restaurant industry. Um, uh, anyway, so, um, I, I feel that, that the style that I employed, I, I would say was, well, certainly successful for me because I had some of the highest, uh, and most profitable restaurants in the country in the chains that I, that I was, um, employed. And I think that was a combination of um, it was a combination of the leadership that we provided as a team. It's not just me, right? It was, it was, it was certainly I, I take some credit for that. That I was that I was able to at that young age trust in the judgment, the experience of people that were older than me, that had been around in the restaurant business longer than me, and so uh, someone saw something in me and made me the GM. And I felt that what I lacked in experience, I needed to make up for in other ways. And the only way I could see to do that was to trust in the knowledge, the experience of the people who are already there that come before me, right? And so I, I feel that they responded to that, right? They hadn't, and the restaurant business is very hierarchical. And uh, people, the general managers is, is um, I mean, I worked for general managers that were good and I worked for some that weren't so good. And just like any other industry, right? Yeah. Uh, very much command and control and you do what they want you to do. And certainly the GM wasn't one that was in the front of the, the restaurant talking to customers. They were sort of the executive in the back of the, of the restaurant, you know, running the numbers. That wasn't me. 
you know, I, I needed to be out there. I needed to be with the people, you know, and uh, I, I waited tables. I cooked. I cleaned the dishes. I did everything everyone else did because I, I felt that in order to build a successful team, you had to be part of the team. If you're not part of the team, then 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 you don't have a team. You just have a group of people that are there for uh, to collect a check, right? So that was my philosophy then. And it's one that I've cultivated over the years. You know, I, I went into IT in, in my in my early, late 20s, or early 30s, uh, and finally was doing something that I went to, to school for, right, <laughs> my degree. Uh, and, um, of course, I had to relearn everything because, um, uh, you know, in, in the seven or eight years um, uh, it, 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 I was running restaurants, everything changed, of course. And so what I learned was no longer applicable. Different story, but getting into the re- into IT, um, I was in a very traditional organization, siloed uh, mentality. I got requirements. I was, a, I was a developer. I started out as a developer. I took a huge pay cut, got into the IT world because, well, frankly, I wasn't home very much. My kids were gr- uh, growing up and I wasn't home to see them because one of the um, disadvantages of running a restaurant is restaurants are open when most people go home from their regular job, right? Restaurants stay open to serve them dinner and to entertain them and so on. And so, of course, I had to be there in the evenings. Sure. So left restaurants, gone into IT, completely different world, very hierarchical, mm-hmm. command and control. Um, I was given requirements that uh, I would, I would, you know, code, code away, uh, hand it to someone, and I wouldn't see the results of what I'd done for months because it went to some tester, and the tester was busy, yeah. and so I didn't get the results for months. And of course, when I finally got the results of what I worked on, I was working on something else, cool. and cool. I had to sort of put myself back into where I was months ago, try to figure out what I didn't do or did did wrong or whatever it was. Uh, so it was, it was a very, um, it was a, it was a hard transition for me those first few years out of restaurants and in it. And for whatever reason, they promoted me. I became a, a, a manager of a team and mm-hmm. my turning point came when, um, one of my developers, um, shoot, what's his name? I still keep in touch with him. <laughs> uh, hopefully it'll come to me. He, he gave me a book. Uh, uh, we were doing development, but we were doing very um, um, sort of uh, skunk works development in this department in the company. Uh, you know, we were developing in prototypes and showing it to the customer and uh, getting rapid feedback and making changes and so on and so forth. And so this developer, he came to me and he said, hey, hey Kumar, read this book. This is what we're doing. And the book was uh, titled The Agile Primer by someone. I don't know who. It was a little tiny, thin book, and it was about agile. Mm. And I read this book, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is what I used to do in restaurants. <laughs> this is great. There's, it has a name. There's stand-ups and planning and collaboration and all this stuff. This is what we used to do. And I, I – I was excited again about my work, right? And I went to my director and I said, we need to do this completely all the way. Every team in our company needs to do this. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, luckily, um, a good boss that he was, Rick Baker, 
um, mm-hmm. he um, um, got us some consultants uh, and um, some coaches, agile coaches. And, um, you know, they, they were with us for about six months or so. And we kind of ran with it after that. I, I was the internal coach for the next several years. This is about 2004, 2005. You know, I got my initial Scrum certification in 2009, but by that point, I was really coaching in this organization. Right. And um, and I just never looked back. I mean, it was just it was natural to me. It's how it's what I grew up with. You know, this way of working. Right. Okay. Great. So you started um, uh, in in the IT industry um, uh, from your background in restaurant and you continued with uh, almost uh, immediately continued with uh, with agile that's what uh, looks like mm-hmm. uh, and from there what other um, industries uh, have you worked in in addition to typical it yeah and so where, I, where you have seen agile working well and helping out so i worked for this uh, company where i kind of grew up with agile in this company for almost 10 years so i started there in 2000 and worked right up until 2009 or so as the that internal coach um mm-hmm. and after that i left uh and worked uh became a, a sort of a consultant you know worked for different companies consulting firms um uh, I wanted to learn more about Agile and, and not, not just about Agile, but Agile in different industries, Agile in the government, Agile in non-software, uh, Agile in software, Agile in embedded software. And I wanted to just figure out, okay, what is it about Agile that uh, is common? What, why does it work? Does it work even? I mean, can it work in, in government? And so I started out... Um, as a consultant, as I mentioned, and 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 worked in various industries, you know, um, uh, internet. Uh, obviously, the first company I worked was was uh, was uh, as a consultant was Carfax. Um, and what do they do? They they get lots of data about automobiles and make it available to consumers, right? Yeah. Used cars to help use uh, car buyers make. Uh, the best decision about the car that they're buying, get the best price for the car they're buying. But really what they're in, in the business of is data. They're providing a service to consumers, the data that they get from, you know, the DMVs around the country and and, and insurance companies and uh, police departments, accident reports, all the stuff they're able to collate it, put it together and then provide it to their consumers. And, um, but it was a very data centric company. They've been doing agile since the beginning. They were actually an XP shop early in 2000 and sort of grew up. And that was my first experience to something outside of my original company. And then from there, I went to work, do some ag- uh, work with agile in the government. So I worked, uh, uh, I worked a, a contract with the U.S. Postal Service. Um, mm-hmm. different set of challenges, right? Most of the uh, work, the, the workers are unionized. And so, um, Challenges with finding good people, keeping good talent, and uh, challenges with getting rid of talent that isn't that talented <laughs> because of the union, right? So different yeah. set of challenges with the government. Um, I went on to work in other agencies in the government with the consulting firms I was with, with with the uh, um, the CBP and the USCIS, um, and I had a small part to play in in helping the USCIS draft 
um, contracting uh, requirement amendments to their contracting structure for smaller contracts, more agile contracts that the government would award uh, companies. You know, mm-hmm. it, going from these five-year behemoth contracts to something that was more uh, nimble, more agile, more iterative in the way that they would award the contracts and and, and evaluate how the vendor was was uh, the partner was doing with those with the work that they were entrusted to. And then from there, I went into uh, manufacturing and oil and gas. And, you know, with manufacturing, it was really about embedded systems and how do software developers working in embedded systems, you know, embedded systems development is, is an interesting field because, you know, the software goes on a chip and there are different cycles of development between hardware and software. They don't move at the same pace. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, a lot of challenges with software developers developing embedded systems, because, well, maybe the board isn't ready. The, whoever the supplier is supplying the boards, um, maybe they have a backlog. They don't they won't get the new design until whenever. And so, you know, some experience uh, I had there. Um, and that led me to uh, healthcare. I was also in healthcare for a couple of years, right? So, okay. um, uh, streamlining the way healthcare is, is uh, members are brought into the program and how members are enrolled into the various healthcare programs, federal uh, employment uh, insurance, you know, th- things that the differences between con- consumer, like commercial insurance and federal insurance and all the nuances there, nuances there. I also worked with non-software people, uh, uh, companies like um, um, U.S. NCARB, the National Council of Architectural Review Boards. They don't do software development. They do, they're more of an advocacy and educational group that provides uh, testing and certifications to architects around the country. And yes, there's technology involved, but most of what they do wasn't reliant on technology. It was more about the the, the experts in the field, the archi- the people that certify architects, getting um, the getting them to uh, certify architects in different states and different regulations, different educational requirements, and so on and so forth. So it's helping them use agile to uh, prioritize the most important things in front of them. I, I, I've been talking a lot. I, I hope I'm answering your question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what what it tells me that you have worked in so many different industries that Agile works in all these areas, uh, although majority of the concept or misconcept, let's call it, that Agile is only for software. And yeah. your experience tells us that it is not true. In fact, Agile works in almost all these areas, right from it was not a classical Agile in your restaurant uh, part, but it was basic principles were the same. Short planning cycles, working with the team, doing it quick, deliverable, and finding out the results quickly. So yeah. um, that's, a, that's a great takeaway that Agile works in almost all these uh, various industries, right from the government to private and to non-software as well. That's a, That's a Great takeaway. But I'm very curious about any stark difference you would uh, draw between uh, government uh, work, working in a government agency versus working in a private industry. 
Yeah, I mean, there certainly are differences. Um, you know, governments, um, the funding model, the funding, and, and you know, the the contract award and, and all of that is, it's still a big barrier. And I haven't done any government agency. Well, no, that's not true. I was, I was, you, uh, I supported the um, uh, NPD, the National. Um, I forget what it stands for. Forgive me. It's part of U.S. Uh, uh, CIS. It's a uh, it's a division, a small division of it. Anyway, it hasn't changed all that much, even though there were a lot of changes and a lot of um, um, enhancements made to the whole contracting process and the contracting model. You know, with the 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 uh, the, the playbook for agile software development that was developed for the government by the government. An amazing document that I think um, the, the private industry could use, right? It gives mm -hmm. you sort of a stepwise guide on how to uh, contract and then not just contract, but then support the process of developing software that where mm -hmm. vendors are brought in to do the work. And it's not just um, it's not just something the government does, right? Large companies do the same thing. You talk yeah. about multinationals. They're not incubating their own software developers all the time, you know. Unless you're Amazon, if you're if you're Anth uh, you know Anthem or Blue Cross or, uh, or or Exxon or whatever, you're getting you're contracting a lot of work out. Right. So that USCIO's um, Agile Playbook is an amazing resource. Mm -hmm. However, culture is an interesting thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, and it's it's hard to change how. Uh, an organization works overnight uh, or, or over 10 years or over 20 years. You know, things take a long time to change because, because the underlying rules of the game haven't changed. So mm. just because you change how you contract for software, um, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden the government and every agency in the government is going to work that way, mm. right? And, and so it, it requires more of a, 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 an organizational approach to change. And I think some agencies yeah. have, have achieved that. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't want to misstate anything. It's been a, many years since I've been at the USCIS. Uh, right. I believe they have achieved a certain level of agility in their, in that agency because they have, you know, engaged in more of a cultural shift on how they, um, uh, acquire contracting help, how they evaluate the work that's being done. And they, they're working more in an agile way. Now, this was many years ago when I was there. So I don't know how things are. So um, right. um, take that with a grain of salt. Um, sure. So I, I think sure. the common thread, though, with, with the government or the private sector is, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing mm. matters more than um, than the basic reward models that reward behaviors mm. that people in the organization are um, the the people that are in the organization. If certain behaviors uh, that lead to um, behaviors lead to outcomes, right? And if you mm -hmm. reward certain behaviors that lead to certain outcomes, and and those aren't the outcomes you want, then it doesn't matter what else you change. Um, those behaviors will exist and the culture will, will change very slowly, if at all. Certainly, certainly. So the key really is about what is the outcome? What, what is the outcome that organizations want 
to change? What is the, what's the outcome that, uh, that organizations want to achieve? And if you can identify those clearly, crisply, from the, from the top of the chain of, chain of command to the people doing the work and align people to those outcomes. And of course, then reward people for the behaviors that lead to them, then there's a much better chance of achieving agility, business okay. agility. Absolutely. Wow. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Let us talk about um, uh, the scaling part of Agile that almost all of us are working on various um, uh, frameworks uh, in Agile. Uh, in your experience, which frameworks have you handled and would you be able to compare them and say that this has worked better compared to other frameworks? Or what is your experience about the frameworks in general? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Frameworks, <clears throat> and, and and certainly it leads to the the whole, you know, frameworks war war, right? <laughs> um, uh, for me, I'm I'm a, I, I think of myself as a pragmatist, uh, an agile pragmatist, um, and um, I'm an agilist first, um, and and then then you know it's about applying the right tools to the job, and I feel like the frameworks are the tools that you apply to mm -hmm. the job, and in some cases, Scrum is the ideal tool. In some cases, it's not. It's more a, a, a Kanban approach because of the type of work that the the organization's doing, right? Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, when it comes to scaling, you know, I've I've uh, experienced uh, scaling organically uh, with with different companies. Uh, meaning, you know, we've created our own scaling models at Carfax. We had something that was uh, eerily similar to to Spotify. You know, if if only I'd had the foresight. You know, uh, and the and the marketing genius that you know, someone like Dean <laughs> Leftingwell had, I I uh, would be uh, I would probably be retired by now. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have that foresight, and that's I guess what separates the genius from the average, right? And so my point is that we created a framework at Carfax that allowed us to scale, and we scaled really by descaling, by mm -hmm. focusing on the core elements of of um, the value creation engine. And, and what I mean by that is value creation engine it, are your teams, they're your people. And so it's about, yeah. it's about freeing that potential as much as possible, making sure that teams have the information, the, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to the Agile Manifesto, right? The principles, make sure the teams have the environment, the trust and the, I forget all the words in that, in that principle to get the job done, right? So mm -hmm. alignment, uh, leads to autonomy. So if teams are aligned, then they're going to be they're going to be able. You you don't have to direct them that much. They can work more or less autonomously because they know the direction to go. Got it. Right. And so I've had the experience of that at at certain companies, and I've certainly seen the opposite too, where you know it's there's a um, there's a um, almost a devotion to a certain framework without an understanding of the principles behind them or mm -hmm. an understanding of the behaviors that leads to the outcome that the organization wants to achieve, right? And so uh, safe, there's nothing wrong with safe. I like, I love safe actually. I think the model is, is great. Um, however, I, I, 
I have only seen very few examples of successful safe implementations, the scaled agile framework. Um, and I and I don't think it's it's because it's safe. It's just I, I think it's again that underlying um, organizational change element that that wasn't considered probably right. The hierarchical model of the organization, the mm. the the not not enough was in uh, intent or attention was given to ensuring that that there was alignment between the outcome, the, the purported outcomes and the, and the people doing the work. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. So I've used SAFE, I've used Scrum, I've used Kanban, I've dabbled mm -hmm. in less, I've, 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 I'm familiar with Nexus. I'm familiar with most of the frameworks. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, was, I was, you know, learning the DAD framework, Discipline Agile framework as well. I love I love them. I mean, there's it's some amazing work by that was put together by some amazing people. Yeah. Uh, but for, for me, I, I sort of look at where the organization is and try to look more at the humans in the organization. What's going to mm -hmm. give them the best chance of achieving their outcomes, and what structures do we need do we need to put in place to allow that to happen? Okay, that's the that's the role of a framework or that's the way how you implement the framework. Okay, great. I want to ask you about um, your association or your work in the field of education or training. Um, we got introduced um, as you were working as a, a lead accreditor for IC Agile organization. And um, from there, I have seen that you are playing very important role and you are teaching agile classes so tell me or tell us more about uh, your journey in agile training what are the areas you train and all that background yeah great question i um <clears throat> i have um I'm, I'm thinking because there's a lot to unpack here um, by now, you would have noticed that I have lots to say, and I'm trying to be as <laughs> concise as possible. Um, I was never, I never considered myself a trainer or a teacher um, <laughs> until I took a class from Sharon Bowman, training from the back of the room. Mm. Um, a huge shout out to Sharon Bowman. She's awesome. Um, yeah. I loved it so much that it it, it um, sort of made it, it became my passion to uh, to be able to train uh, in a way that uh, it, it was my style of training right training from the back mm -hmm. of the room even the name of it implies that the trainer isn't the sage on the stage the trainer right. is more facilitating the learning from the group and so yeah. I really put those concepts to to practice. I'm also a, a, a certified uh, trainer of the training from the back of the room um, mm -hmm. program. But anyway, so since then, this is about 2013 or 14, I have uh, created lots of training for some of the companies I worked for as a consultant and, and now more recently for myself that really embody those principles of training mm -hmm. from the back of the room, uh, connecting the learning to the audience and, and, um, 
teaching them concepts, but not droning on for hours in a lecture, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just a short bite-sized uh, lecture segments, followed by concrete practice, allowing them to really understand how to apply what they learn to, to their jobs, and, and finally concluding it with some kind of an activity that helps them retain as much as possible from the learning. So uh, long story short, I, I use this style for all of my training. I have lots of training classes now. Um, uh, to your question about IC Agile, I used to be an accreditor for them. I'm, I no longer am. I'm still, I'm still um, very good friends with the company. I, I support everything that they do. Uh, most of my classes that I've created are IC Agile certified. And, 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 and the reason is, I, you know, since I'm training a lot of classes that are IC Agile certified, there's a conflict of interest in yeah. terms of being an accreditor and also a trainer of these same classes, right? So um, I don't do that anymore for that reason. But while I was there, I got to meet lots of wonderful people from around the world and got mm. to see their work, their creative work in taking the uh, learning objectives from IC Agile and converting those learning objectives into these beautiful uh, slides in some cases, you know, exercises, you name it, right? And so I, I, I got to see their creative work. I got to help them make it even better so that the training that they delivered for their students, their clients is world-class. Um, what did I not answer in that question? No, uh, that is what uh, I wanted to uh, get from you. And um, as we are almost talking for almost half an hour, but the last important question uh, before we wrap it up, I want to ask about your latest achievement of ICF certification. Um, hmm. ICF certification, as I, I'm a little bit familiar with, it is not necessarily the agile certification. It's a general coaching certification. And since you have achieved it, tell us a little bit more about this certification, your journey towards that. What helped you uh, in achieving that certification? And what would you recommend um, other Agile coaches to, whether, whether you will recommend other Agile coaches to go for ICF certification and why? Yeah, good question. So ICF, <clears throat> it stands for the International Coaching Federation. And it is the, um, it's the largest, I think, um, coaching body in, in the world um, by its name, international, right? And, and um, it, it's, it's a, a, an organization that uh, um, accredits, credentials professional coaches. And exactly. so um, I got interested in professional coaching um, several years ago. Actually, it started with... Um, um, a program I took with John Maxwell, John Maxwell, um, uh, leadership coaching and, and training and speaking. And I was introduced to John Maxwell several years ago by a fellow agile coach that said, Hey, Kumar, you really have to do this. And so I went and I, I and I learned and I discovered that, that most agile coaches are, are really more agile consultants. Right. And there's a, there's a difference between coaching and consulting. And most of what we do as coaches in the professional coaching world would be considered consulting. <laughs> right. <laughs> there is so, always that uh, distinction comes in picture and sometimes the lines are very blurry. That's true. That's true. They are blurry. They are blurry. However, when when you think about it, most people hire an agile coach 
because they want an agile coach to come in and um, and tell them what to do, mm-hmm. right? How to implement agile. And yeah. so, um, and, and, and of course we're happy to oblige, you know, do this, don't, don't do that. You're not doing your standup <laughs> right. You know, uh, you're not writing your stories right. Uh, so on and so forth. And so all of that is, is, is consulting. And of course you need that, right? So if someone, yeah. someone wants to implement agile, of course, you're going to need to show them, teach them, mentor them, guide them. At some point, the relationship shifts to once they're understanding the basics, then what mm-hmm. they really need is coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and coaching is, is, is a different modality. It's different from consulting. It's different from mentoring. Coaching is really about exposing to the client uh, things that they may not see themselves. And, and, right. and you do that not by telling them what they're not seeing. You do that yeah. by, by probing, by asking questions, by, mm. by uh, raising the client's awareness to their blind spots. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a subtle distinction. It's a really hard skill to master. Um, yeah. And uh, it's been a long journey, you know, with, with first with John Maxwell, this was back in, it wasn't five years, it was probably more like four years ago, I guess, 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then more recently, I, I, I took a course with the Academy of Creative Coaching. By the way, I'm now a faculty m- member there. So I'll be teaching oh, for the Academy. Yeah. <laughs> for the Academy of Creating Co- Creative Coaching, I'll be teaching professional coaching classes, you know, people how to achieve their certification, uh, their mm-hmm. credential. Yeah, so um, 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 we can talk about that another time, but basically I'll be teaching for them this year. Um, so where was I? Yeah, so it was, it's been a long journey. It's been a four-year journey. And, I've, and I, this year, this, on the 31st of December, I, I achieved the uh, ACC credential, uh, Associate mm-hmm. Coaching uh, Certification. Um, and I'm very happy. I'm very proud of it. And I'm actually really close to the next level, which is the PCC, the professional coach uh, credential. Um, and so it's just a matter of submitting some um, sample recordings for people to, for the people there to evaluate for that. As far as agile coaching, I absolutely recommend it um, to uh, explore more of the world of coaching. It's only going to make you a better coach. Um, you know, there's a lot of very successful agile coaches that, that stay in the consulting role and maybe some mentoring role and never really go into coaching. And that's fine. Totally fine. But if you are interested in really raising the potential of your clients, Mm -hmm. uh, really helping them embrace agile ways of working or just any, anything about them, they're raising their own potential then I, I, I think it behooves any coach to be aware of uh, and be an expert at the craft, the, the profession of coaching. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I also think that for professional coaches, it would mm-hmm. behoove you to understand agile because the two aren't <laughs> so dissimilar. In fact, yeah. um, one of the things that I want to do is help bring agile to professional coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's definitely very complimentary, and yeah. both of them will definitely help each other. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Kumar. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge, experience, and insights with us. 
I'm sure my audience of this podcast will enjoy it, will love it. And with that note, again, I want to thank you and say that let's wrap this up today. Yeah. Thanks. Thank, thank you, Arvind. Appreciate it. Bye bye.